Greetings. Welcome to The Dividing Line. It is the day before Election Day 2020. It's November 2nd, 2020. Uh, Some of us wondered if this day would ever come, really. Uh, But here we are, and we are going to be doing a program today and tomorrow. Um, Not just simply going to be talking about that, but also not going to be trying to provide escapism. there are things to be discussing. I am, by the way, seeing uh, something in Twitter about a uh, uh, Islamic attack in Vienna, Austria. I don't have any details on that at all, uh, but um, I will keep an eye on that uh, and see if there's something else that uh, comes through. But we certainly have been seeing a lot in uh, France recently, some horrific attacks in France, and should just wasn't what I was going to start with, but since we're talking about it quickly, just uh, note that the response to these attacks within many, uh, amongst many in the Islamic world, has been one of supporting, um, supporting, uh, for example, beheading a um, a teacher. It, this is a we, we've we haven't talked about this for a long time because, quite honestly, we have we have been extremely distracted by. Um, important world events, uh, events uh, in regards to pandemics and the political aspects thereof and everything that's going along with that, as well as the uh, elections in the United States, which many of you need to realize is a global event. It is, we think of it as this is us and it should be us. Um, people outside the United States should have should have no influence. There should not be money flowing in from the outside the United States. Um, people like George Soros should be um, uh, confined to a small cell uh, for a very long time with the things he's done, but um, should not be allowed to uh, donate money. Uh, this should be just something within the United States itself. This is our election, our country. And uh, we should be allowed to still have our country. Of course, depending on how this election goes, that's going to change. Once you throw open the borders, there's, there aren't countries any longer. Um, but anyway, uh, this is a major, major event, obviously, around the world. And a lot of people in the United States don't recognize how many people outside our borders are keeping. Well, I saw David uh, down in uh, uh, Sydney. Uh, yeah, saying that uh, there are people down there preparing for safe spaces, depending on what happened in our elections. And I'm like, you're you're 7,000 miles away or more uh, down there, and yet there are people talking about safe spaces in, in Australia. So uh, we've been distracted, but what's going on in France is something we have discussed before, not specifically these events, but the conflict between Islam in its political manifestation and a secular worldview, which is exactly what France is all about. I mean, France uh, France um, prides itself in its uh, secularism and uh, has no problems whatsoever suppressing any kind of religious expression that would threaten the secular consensus. So as long as... Uh, you know, so a couple weeks ago, I did mention that there was Macron had called for a French Islam. Uh, what is a French Islam? Well, a French Islam is a form of the Islamic religion 
that doesn't believe anything anymore. Um, unfortunately, there is French Christianity. Now, there are, there are sound believers in France, but they will tell you, they'll be the first ones to tell you, they are an extremely small minority. That organized religion in France has made its peace with a secular uh, society, and therefore radical ideas like Jesus is Lord, um, God's law is relevant to human flourishing, uh, you, you, you shall not murder unborn children, they won't, won't touch those things with a 10-foot pole. And so um, – you can you can come up with a compromised Islam. I mean, there's plenty of that. There are lots of nominal Muslims out there, just like there are lots of nominal nominal Christians. But it's no longer Islam, just like it's no longer Christianity. And so the conflict that must exist between a secular worldview and a believing Islamic worldview is is pretty amazing. It really is. The, the, that, that battle has not yet been fully fought out. And I have said in the past, I cannot see secularism surviving that battle uh, because it, it is so shallow. Uh, there's nothing in teaching people that they are ugly bags of mostly water uh, fizzing chemicals, what, what does, what's that supposed to, how's that supposed to give you a foundation for a, for a battle plan, for, for having any kind of, of serious energy in seeking to change the world or things like that? It's not going to happen. So, um, France is a, is a bellwether for what's going to be happening to Europe as a whole. Because what happens is when Muslims move to places like Europe, sure, in the first two generations, there can be a lot of radicalism and violence and stuff like that. But the tendency over time is for the number of children to decrease and for there to be a secularization even of Muslims whose ancestors came from primarily Muslim countries. And so – is it, is it a waiting it out situation? Uh, what's going to happen there? I don't know. But what we do need to keep in mind is that what Macron is talking about doing in suppressing um, hate speech uh, is to not only tell the Muslims they can't have Muslim schools, but tell Christians they can't have Christian schools. Uh, you can't do homeschooling. Um, this, is, this is always the response of the secular state is to grab the children because it we know we're made in the image of god and the bible says we're suppressing that knowledge okay that can get tiring and so what you have to do is you have to train people over a lengthy period of time uh, to make it you know sort of like muscle memory <laughs> i did you see those pictures that i got um on uh, uh what was that what was it saturday yeah, it must have been. Yeah, sorry, because today's Monday. Right on Saturday, I, I, man, that alarm went off at four something in the morning. I'm like, oh, ugh, why do I do this to myself? But I rolled out of bed and um, and I had already prepped the bike and stuff. And and so I, and once you get going, there's something called muscle memory, you know. And those muscles go, oh, we're doing this again. But they start doing it, 
and you start feeling good. You start getting, I got some gorgeous pictures of the sunrise. Those were, those were some of the best I've ever gotten. Those were so intense, just beautiful. Uh, but it's that muscle memory, you know, it's just got to get out there, got to start doing the things you, you got to do. Well, that's, that's what the secularists are trying to do is create mind memory uh, by just cramming you into their tiny little worldview and get them while they're young. Get them while they're young. That's, that's what they, they're going to do. And so France wants to get rid of homeschooling and Muslim schools, and that means, well, we've got to be, we've got to be inclusive. <laughs> so so <coughs> they're going to they're get rid of uh, any type of uh, Christian schooling, Christian homeschooling, anything like that at, at the same time, um, because they, you have to inculcate, you have to create that um, – that secular worldview uh, at a very young age. If you don't get to them soon enough, then you're not going to be able to warp their minds the way you want to warp their minds. So uh, the comments that he has made, Macron has made, have have really sent ripples around the Islamic world. And um, so I guess they're in a very high, not only are they locked down from COVID um, for no reason at all, but uh, now they're locked down in security. Man, it must be, must be, wow. And in fact, I did want to mention this. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters in these nations. Um, we we think of California, we think of New York, we think of the uh, situations that those churches are facing, which, interestingly enough, those churches have been meeting outside, aren't going to be able to do that much longer up in the northern latitudes. We can finally do it here in Phoenix if we needed to, um, uh, which we haven't done, uh, but we couldn't during the summer. It would be impossible. Now they're getting in the situation where they, they can't be meeting outside unless they're all, all going to be doing an igloos or something like that. Um, so we have our situations here in the United States, but overseas, uh, you know, I have some dear brothers in Germany, and they are facing just uh, horrific situations there. And and um, I've gotten emails from folks in in England. Uh, what's going on there? With uh, you know, what a what a disappointment Boris Johnson's turned out to be. What a shame. We were I was excited last year when uh, when they. Uh, Elected him and did Brexit and stuff like that, and he's he's turned out to be just a horrific uh, catastrophe. But uh, we have a lot of brothers and sisters who are facing tremendous difficulties in being able to do the work of the ministry, the work of the kingdom, and a lot of people just feeling very isolated. A lot of these churches feeling very very isolated. They they especially if the churches recognize that there's something else going on here. In fact, some of you may have seen. Um, I retweeted a video from England of a, a uh, again, one of these high-level scientists, medical people going, I, and the funny thing was he even said, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why this is going on. But he was saying the only logical way to deal with this is to open up societies, let the economies function, let people work, and target your protection toward the specific very specific, now fully understandable um, uh, groups of people. Obviously, uh, I was looking at the numbers yesterday, uh, even over 70, it's a 90% plus survival rate. And for people under 
under 70, it's 99.95. So it's just it's just amazing. And and that's that's with real numbers, not the inflated numbers where, uh, you know, the, the shutdowns now are due to all these positive tests. And yet when my my wife got tested three times before she finally stopped working well, lost her job with a very major American, very, very major American corporation. It's not as major as it used to be, uh, with 40,000 people having lost their jobs. But um, three times she had to get tested. And every single stinking time, she comes home with this thing that says, now, um, this test could provide a false positive because it could detect all sorts of other sicknesses, including the common cold. And then... It says it right there. This could be a common cold. Why don't you believe in science? I know. But science says it could be a common cold. Uh, Oh, it is just so politicized. And I just feel so sorry for people that are just so panicked. You know, the the Karens in their cars with three masks on and, and, you know, all the rest of this. I'm sorry that you are so frightened and you're so scared. But please stop and start thinking and go, wow, there's a lot of evidence this has been politicized. And, and wow, you know. Oh, anyway, don't even get me going down that direction. Uh, so we, because of all this uh, and because of this politicization and be, because only one spectrum, it's not the entire spectrum. It's not all of science at all. But one spectrum of quote-unquote experts are in charge of everything. And all the rest of them, if they say, "Hey, this is not the way to do this," this, you're, don't you understand? This is going to happen, and that's going to happen. You get the false positives over here, but all that, don't care. We've got the media in our pocket. There, there's almost no media outside of the internet that will go, "Man, this doesn't make any sense." And if someone does, they will get deplatformed uh, because clearly, clearly, big tech um, wants everybody to be panicked wants to promote this thing big time. Doesn't matter what the actual numbers are. They, they want to promote it. Well, anyway, uh, all of this is resulting in the destruction of churches right, left, and center. Isolation of churches. There are, there are so many churches that um, are trying to hold on and trying to be faithful, and they're being told by their governments, thou shalt not do this. Uh, the same governments that will allow 100,000 people to, you know, protest in the streets uh, won't won't let 20 people meet in a house and and sing hymns and things like that, and and they're really struggling. And so we need to be praying for every uh, church around the world that is uh, in such difficulty at this point in time. Uh, the financial difficulties. Um, this is exactly what the Great Reset's all about. Because the Great Reset's not going to happen as long as there is a strong, united uh, understanding of biblical law and what that demands as far as the value of life. Because you got to understand, the Great Reset and Planned Parenthood are in bed with each other. And abortion, the Great Reset wants a major decline in uh, the number of human beings living on the planet. Major decline. And so Planned Parenthood and all of its associated pathologies are vital to the Great Reset. And so um, this is all of a – this is all – when, when these folks are making videos about this, that's not a conspiracy theory anymore. 
Okay, when it's when it's on YouTube, you can't call that a conspiracy theory anymore. I, I know that's what you all want to do, but it's not. They've 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 looked into a camera and said this is what we want to do. You should not own property. The personal property is a bad thing. You shouldn't own a car. You shouldn't be able to travel wherever you want to travel, whenever you want to go. You should. Your diet should be determined by the government. Your travel, your exercise. You are nothing but a tiny little cog in the big picture. You're not a citizen anymore. You're a subject. Um, that's what's coming. And we've said... Okay, just keep me safe, because safeism has become the religious expression of Western culture. And uh, oh, by the way, I'm jumping all over the place. Sorry. By the way, I was gonna I was gonna grab a picture of this because the cover is easy to recognize. Abigail Schreier. Um, in fact, I'm gonna find it here. I'm gonna go ahead and I'll bring accordance back up here in a second. But Abigail Schreier. I'm uh, I'm not sure. Sometimes when you listen to books, you're not exactly sure where you are. I, I'm pretty certain um, that uh, that's nice to see that when you put Abigail into the Amazon search thing, the first thing up is Abigail Schreier, which I'm sure they're not happy about that because they've done everything they can to suppress the um, uh, the uh, sales of this book. Abigail Schreier, Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. Um, uh, Amazon has refused to allow her publisher to buy uh, advertisement. Uh, there has been a, an industry-wide attempt uh, to suppress this book. This is not a Christian book. Um, th- th- there, are, there are big holes in the worldview as a result, I'll be honest. But you can learn a lot even from non-Christian books, and sometimes you can learn more from a non-Christian book because they're not focused upon some of the same things and get a little bit deeper into some of the research. We sometimes fail in that area. I certainly have. Anyway, uh, came out June 30th of this year, and um, it's available on Audible if, if that's the way. Moms, let me tell you something. Dads, if... Mom doesn't have time because of homeschooling to sit down and read this, buy the Audible book. Find a way for mom to listen to this book. You need to listen to this book. Um, I'm highly recommending it. I've been driving around listening to this going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They did what? Oh, oh. It's, it's depressing. What's depressing is this is a craze. She even called it the transgender craze seducing our daughters. We didn't hear about any of this stuff 15 years ago. You had, you had the one-off guy that claimed to be a girl, but the vast majority of what's happening since 2015 onwards, only in the past five years, well, 2013 onwards, past seven years, Vast, vast majority of it is found in young women, young girls. And what's interesting is over and over, they've said the same thing. From families that self-identify as strongly progressive. 
This is the result of a fully formed leftist, secularist worldview. And it leaves young women totally susceptible to doing whatever comes along. What were, what were the crazes before? Bulimia? Anorexia? Cutting? Remember? People cutting themselves? And we sit, we sit here going, why? What is this? Young girls, and I've seen this, I have seen this, <sighs> I married at 19. I was engaged at 18. I was taught from the first things I can remember that when I turned 18 years of age, I needed to be responsible for myself. And people are not maturing today. Well, sometimes they're not maturing at all. They're, they're the leftist worldview, safism cuts out any possibility of being able to mature into a meaningful adult. But people aren't getting married now till they're 30. No wonder we have much smaller families now than we once did before, obviously. But this entire uh, immaturity, it is, it is astonishing that there is now an entire cottage industry of promoting the coolness of the gender spectrum. It has utterly 1,000% taken over the educational system. The, the government schools, private schools, as long as it's not a Christian school, and even there are some Christian schools, but at least there should be some resistance there, but the educational system in our country is sold out to this. If you have a young girl who decides that she's gender fluid, transgendered, the school will do everything they can to keep that silent from the parents. Parents are viewed as enemies by the school system and by the therapists that are pushing all this stuff. Um, the, the stories I've already listened to in Schreier's uh, book are, are just heartrending, heartrending. The destruction of these young girls long before they would ever be able to have any idea. She just told her own story as I was pulling into the parking lot to do the program today. I was listening to the book. And she was telling the story about how when she was a teenager, um, she didn't like the way her body looked. And she wanted to have breast reduction surgery done. Not, it wasn't a transgender thing. No one had even thought of it back then. But she wanted to have breast reduction surgery done. And her dad said, no, period, end of discussion, not going to happen. You're gonna, you're, you may want to nurse children someday. You're not going to do it. And she was talking about how the fact that at that age, the last thing in her mind was nursing children. Ten years later, she nurses three children and talks about the life-changing 
if I hadn't been able to do this, I would not be the person I am today, never could be. That's a relationship between you and another human being that no one could ever begin to understand. Experience that she couldn't understand when she was a kid. But the entire system is now rigged that, hey, if your 12-year-old thinks this, you got to go for it. You've got to start doing the, the puberty blockers. Oh, by the way, and the puberty blockers, guess what they do? They stop brain development. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh. I, I've been losing it listening to this book at the absolute evil insanity of the psychological community and their complete capitulation to this utter insanity. It just, oh, take that, take a breath, take a breath. Um, so I, uh, husbands, if, if mom can't, Find the time to read this. Buy her the Audible book. Buy her an iPod to listen to it. Buy her the uh, the, 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 the Trex um, aftershocks. The bone conduction. Uh, I I was stunned that you have they come yet? Aren't they great? I am stunned that people don't know what bone conduction headphones are. People, hello. I didn't bring mine in here, but um, I started using bone conduction headphones about four years ago, maybe about four or five years ago. Um. So much safer when riding a bike uh, because I would put earphones in that, were, that would really it could block everything out. I would not hear cars coming behind me. I had my rearview mirror, but there was more than once car. Oh, I didn't, didn't see it coming, didn't see it in the rearview mirror, whatever. Aftershocks, you can, you can have them on, have a full conversation with somebody, and still listen to things all at the same time because it's not in your ear. There, there's, yeah, there's the aftershocks right there. So it, notice it's on the, the, the cheekbone. And so that's how it goes into the inner ear, is, is, is that way. Those are called Aftershocks Titaniums. Uh, so you've got the Titaniums, the Airs, and they just came out with one Aero something, uh, which is their top-end one, which I have that because it's totally sweat-proof. Because <laughs> mine have to, you know, I did a six-hour and 45-minute bike ride last weekend, so um, you don't have time to be stopping and wiping them out off and things like that. Um, Ten-hour battery life. No, I'm not paid for any of this. I'm just simply telling you, everyone that I've given them to uh, over the years has just fallen in love with them. And uh, Aftershocks are sort of the main people that sort of got that stuff going. And uh, they've always had good customer service, too. So that's a really good Christmas present. Buy mom an iPod, Aftershocks, in the book. She needs to read it. You need to, to listen to it as well. Um, because let's say the Lord is merciful And uh, the United States does not, in 2020, jump off the socialist cliff. Because if that happens, if Kamala Harris... Did you see the video of the lady introducing Kamala Harris uh, yesterday and said the next president of the United States? They're not even even hiding it. Oh, it's just a misspoke. No, no, they know. They know Joe's, Joe's got a very limited shelf life. In fact, he's, he's, he, he expired about six months ago, at least. Um, so if Harris is elected president, it's already been said the Equality Act uh, will be passed. You know, if they have the Senate and the House, then they can do it the old-fashioned way. If, uh, if Harris is president, it'll just be done by executive order, basically, because that's how most of that kind of stuff is being done these days. And... You'll have the Equality Act, end of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, 
uh, religious expression, uh, homeschooling. It will be right on the... It's not a part of it directly, but that's going to lay the foundation for it. Christian school's done. Um, das ist alles. That's, that's, that's the end of all that. And that's what's coming. That, that, this is, this, we need to, but let's say we don't jump off the, uh, the cliff. And we've got four more years where at least some breaks are on. You know, because if we lose the Senate, then, you know, Trump can can uh, use veto power and and at least some semblance of breaks. We've got four years to prophetically cry out to our culture, stop this. You know this is evil. We need to start calling evil, evil. And that includes the people in the church that have been promoting this stuff and pretending it's good. You need to start calling evil, evil, and then laying out why it's evil. Really do. Um, I wasn't going to go into all this, but um, my uh, <laughs> my fellow pastor, uh, Jeff Durbin, preached a sermon yesterday about being encouraged at this difficult time in our society. I would highly recommend it to you. It should be up on Facebook within a day or two. Um, and I, I gave the uh, closing benediction. We do a benediction where I quote from like Hebrews 13 or 1 Corinthians 13 or, you know, just brief type of thing like that. I go up to the, podium, the pulpit and I said, um, before the benediction, I just want to mention that I, uh, I just ran the numbers. And a few people start chuckling. Um, because Jeff had made comment. Two weeks ago, his sermon was one hour and 15 minutes in length. Now, I preached last weekend. I thought I meant I went much shorter than that. But I had, he had assigned me this topic. And basically, I had to cover the whole TR text thing in one sermon. That's not easy to do. And so I went longer than I normally do. I went 30 seconds shorter than he had gone the week before. So he mentioned that at the beginning of the service. How I had busted his chops about going for an hour and fifteen, and, and I went one fourteen thirty. So okay, fine. So I'm watching. I'm watching last night. I'm. I, I see when he starts, and I'm. 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 I'm watching the watching the clock. And uh, he went for an hour and twenty one minutes. <laughs> so I, I stand up there and I go, well, I ran the numbers. A few people start chuckling, and I said. By mid-2021, we will have to start our service on Saturday. <laughs> At the current rate of progression, uh, we will have to start our service on Saturday. But it's worth the hour and 21 minutes when you get a chance to, chance to listen to it. We, 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 2016 happened, and I, I said in 2016, we've got a lot of work to do to be talking to the next generation in light, and then we relaxed got distracted and can't do it this time if if in some way the lord gives us more time and i don't know they will we don't deserve it uh but if he did um but one of the things you need to do pick up irreversible damage uh by abigail schreier i'm not getting any kickbacks she doesn't know i exist probably wouldn't like me if she did though she seems like a real nice lady um so, yeah, uh, pick that up, get it, 
listen, do whatever, get it for your pastor, however you need to do it, but people need to know what's going because I don't think most of us really, we've heard some of the stories, we don't realize how widespread this stuff is, how damaging it is, how destructive it is, how just absolutely horrible it is. Well, okay, let me get to, um, let me get to the biblical portion that I wanted to get to before I, I do want to, uh, at the end of the program, briefly comment on the uh, very short exchange that I had with Dr. J.D. Greer, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, a couple days ago. Uh, I have not gotten a response. In fact, what's fascinating to me, I'm, I'm almost certain that those tweets got shadow banned uh, because I responded to Dr. Greer. And everybody was clapping at his response to me, and there were people, there was this one guy that was, I'm, I mean, J.D. Greer fans are just coming after me like I'm just the worst person on the planet. I'm horrible. I, they're questioning my faith, my integrity, uh, everything. Just, just nasty. Um, zero comments, zero responses to my replies to J.D. Greer. Now, that just, I even had trouble finding him. And that just makes me wonder if I got shadow banned. Because um, the first time I ever heard of shadow banning, the very first time, this is years ago, when Twitter was fairly new, someone released a shadow banning list, and I was shocked to discover I was on it already. Yeah, years and years ago. So, anyway. Uh, we are invaders on Twitter and Facebook. You need to understand that. We, we, think, we think that, well, this should be for everybody. Well, it, it claims to be, but it's a lie. You, you must understand that Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey have hired people around them that are absolutely dedicated to their worldview. And their worldview hates our worldview. And so we just, we just need to understand we are invaders there. And that's exactly how they see us. And that's exactly how we should expect to be treated there. Um, I think that also means they should be subject to all the lawsuits on the planet when they lie and do things they're not supposed to do on that level. Um, but there you go. Just keep that in mind. We are, we are invaders there. Hello. Did, did, was there a comment you wanted to make there? Uh, there's a nice shot of the forehead. Um, <laughs> just, just pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> Who that guy? Who that guy? All right. L- l- real quickly, Psalm 33. I am so thankful that uh, the 33rd Psalm is, is a part of the Psalter. It is part of the hymnology of uh, the people of God. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to suggest to uh, Elliot, our music guy, that we, uh, we find a, a way of sneaking the 33rd Psalm. If find a good uh, rendition of the 33rd Psalm, uh, sing a psalm. Um, we've gone over it many times. Before. I'm not going to go into the depth on it. I just want to point out a couple things as we look to uh, tomorrow. Uh, for some of us, it's a little bit, honestly, a little bit anticlimactic. I, I voted last week. And um, have you, did you vote? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and so uh, that's new for me. I've always only voted on those days, but uh, especially with 
all the mask stuff. I was not standing in the line uh, this time around. No way. Not not happening. What? So get this. My wife calls me this morning. She went shopping to avoid the crowds from over the weekend. She says, I don't know what's going on in the grocery store. Because there are bigger crowds right now on mid-Monday morning than all weekend I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, boy. Probably run on stuff. Yep. Yeah. yeah. People are worried about tomorrow and all the threats. It's true. It's true. There's no two ways about it. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah. There's probably going to be some issues uh, the next couple of days. And um, people are getting nervous. And there's reason to be nervous, really, uh, from some of the things Antifa has said and things like that. I, I'm not sure, given the... Given the 96-mile-long Trump trains that have been circling Arizona, and half those people are armed, I'm not really sure Antifa wants to do anything out here, because that, that would not be a wise... And they're all out your direction anyways. I was going to say, yesterday, you, you, the, was like a mile from my house was the rallying place. And I was... Standing out front watching my neighbors who were moving about, and we can hear all the cars out on the road honking, honking, honking. And I look over at my neighbor, I said, those are my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the neighbor has the Biden sign out? No, uh, there aren't any of those in my neighborhood. There are a couple in mine. I know yeah. where all the socialists are in my yes. neighborhood, because I go running, and so I, I actually see yard signs, but... Yeah, I know exactly where they are in my neighborhood. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that the Antifa wants to do anything like that in, in Phoenix. That, no, mm, no not, a, not a good idea. Uh, Prescott, really bad idea. <laughs> Prescott, Payson, no, no, no. Oh, so many places to bury the bodies. That's right. Very, very true. Yeah, so, but other places, I'm sure there's, there's some of that. Anyway, back to Psalm 33. Um, Sing for joy in Yahweh, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to Yahweh with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of Yahweh is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the chesed, the loving kindness of Yahweh. I'm reading the 1977 NASB, but you're going, yeah, but it doesn't have Yahweh in it, but whenever I see Yahweh, I say Yahweh, because that's what's in the Hebrew text. By the word of Yahweh, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps and storehouses. Let all the, fear, let all the earth fear Yahweh, that all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Yahweh nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of Yahweh stands forever, the plans of his heart from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is Yahweh, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Yahweh looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all, he who understands all their works. The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Behold, the eye of Yahweh is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his chesed, his loving kindness, to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for Yahweh. He is our help and our shield, for our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. 
Let your chesed, your loving kindness, O Yahweh, be upon us, according as we have hoped in thee. So, uh, we have gone through this before. Let me just make a few comments very quickly. Please note verse 4. The word of Yahweh is upright. All his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the chesed of Yahweh. Uh, Uprightness, faithfulness, righteousness, justice, this is, a, this is the key cluster of Hebrew terms and their Greek translations that you would want to focus upon if you were serious about understanding biblical justice. Not social justice, but biblical justice. That's what you want to look at. Both the Hebrew terms and then vitally important, you, there really isn't any reason any longer in light of our computer technology for a Christian not to take the time to know what the Greek Septuagint translation is and follow those terms in the New Testament. Because accordance, logos, uh, olive tree, whatever, can, can chart those paths for you. They can do that for you. And so those terms very, very important as they come into into the New Testament. Uh, By the word of Yahweh, the heavens were made. Verse 6, by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. So, God is creator. The creation has the form that it has purposefully. It is not a random thing. This This was the basis of the beginning of science. The whole idea of being able to do experiments, and you do experiments two times, and it should come out the same way, unless you messed up in the process. The regularity of nature, where does that come from? The worldview that comes from is a Christian worldview based upon creation. Interesting that it's been used to deny that very thing. Since God is a creator, verse 8, let all the earth fear Yahweh, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Yahweh is the covenant God of Israel. But he's the creator of all nations, and therefore all the earth is to fear Yahweh. And part of the promise given to Abraham that then becomes expanded as we, as we work our way through the text of Scripture, all the earth will be blessed uh, through you. And uh, that's what you have. Let all the earth fear Yahweh. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand on him. He spoke, it was done. He commanded, it stood fast. That's the foundation for building a real future, is that there is a God who has a purpose in all things, and he is accomplishing that purpose. He is the creator of all things. And then you have this tremendous section that I, I know we've done this before, but a lot of, a lot of new people, maybe you haven't seen it. Um, but the, the key here in verses 10 and 11 is that you have parallelism. Yahweh nullifies the council of nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. Then, compare that with verse 11, the council of Yahweh stands forever. So that's in direct relationship to the council of the nations, which Yahweh nullifies. And the plans of his heart, so the plans of the peoples, the plans of his heart from generation to generation. So, purposefully, the, the author is laying out for us a 180-degree contrast between the council of nations plans the people. God frustrates and nullifies it. But no one does that to him. The council of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart from generation to generation. Very clear, very straightforward, if we believe 
in the inspiration of Scripture and the consistency of Scripture, then you have divine truth here. Many people who call themselves religious today don't really believe in those things. They, well, this is just poetry, and this is just one guy thinking about God, and um, that's that's where you get into problems. Then we have uh, this verse that you've seen um, you've seen on motivational posters. I've mentioned many times that we used to have a television station here in the Phoenix area called KOOL. Cool TV. Made sense to have K-O-O-L in Phoenix. Why not? We want anything that can make you feel somewhat cooler in Phoenix is a good thing. So K-O-O-L TV, when they would sign off at night or at the top of the hour when they would do their station ID, which is something that used to be done regularly on broadcast TV. I haven't seen broadcast TV for so long. Don't know if they still do it, if there is such a thing. Um, But they would quote the first half of Psalm 3312. Blessed is the nation whose God is Lord. Wasn't that, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah. Blessed is the nation whose God is Yahweh. Now, um, it goes on to say, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. So you, you have the choice of God. God is the one that chose Israel. Uh, he, God is the one who knows Israel. Um, and so, that's there is that aspect that is in the text. We're not going to try to ignore that. But what I wanted to just point out is this. Every nation has a God. Every nation has a God. Um, the reason for this is that God has made us in that way. We are worshiping creatures. We organize our societies. We... We put things in hierarchies as much as people might want to try to detest them. There will always be hierarchies because there can be no equality in the absolute sense. Um, Well, I guess the only way you could have absolute equality is in the Star Wars drone army uh, sense of that. So, I don't know, have have you seen The Mandalorian? Well, I finally decided I, I needed to, you know, I've got grandkids, so I, I can't be completely, you know, Punkle can't be a complete idiot. Um, and so I'm, I, I got through the first season uh, on Halloween. I'd seen some of it before, but anyway. And there's, <laughs> there is one scene, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but that's the first season. Come on, the second season just started. So there's this one scene, scene where they have two... Um, uh, uh, troopers and they're waiting for something and s- so they're just stuck on their speeders and they pull their weapons and there's like a so, sort of like a tin can type thing and the whole scene and they're not far away from it is them shooting at this thing and never hitting it <laughs> it, it was just this awesome comment on the fact that that that, that stormtroopers are the world's worst shots um, or I mean, how could you miss Chewbacca? I mean, seriously. That, that, how could you miss something that big and furry? So, anyway, it was funny, and I, I, I caught it, and I laughed at it, and it was, it was good. But, anyway, well, how did I get on that? There's, there can be no equality unless you have a drone army or if you have human beings, uh, the clone army. That's, then they're all the same height, and they are, they're all equally bad shots. <laughs> Because 
evidently, who they cloned couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, and so they can't either. Um, you can't have equality other than that. God makes men to differ. God makes some men blind. He makes some men short, some men tall, some men powerful, some men weak. Uh, he makes, um, he, he says, do I, is it not I, Lord, the Lord, that makes man to hear, or the halt, or the lame? That's the question he asks, and the expected answer is yes, that is, that is you who make men to differ. And so you, you can't have uh, that kind of equality. And so every nation, because God has made us the way we are, there's going to be hierarchies, there's going to be people with power, there's going to be people with riches. Um, in the Great Reset, it's a small group of global elites, they will continue to jet around the world in their aircraft while all the rest of us pedal bicycles. Now, I, I don't mind pedaling the bicycle, but when the whole world does it, um, it, it loses some of its charm, I can guarantee you that. Um, so, every nation has a God. And the clearer that nation is about who its God is, the better. In our modern world, we have been taught that, that basically there's something called the myth of neutrality. That we can be neutral toward God and toward his law. We can be neutral toward our creator. That we can, we can live a secular life separate from the way God has made us. And if you grew up in a church where that mythology is constantly followed and functions, and you're never challenged to really think through the consistency of it, you may still actually believe that. But the reality is, there is no neutrality. And you are either going to engage in idolatry, or you're going to worship God, one of the two. There's lots of different forms of idolatry, but it's still idolatry. And a nation is either going to make a certain group of people, the whole group of people, the God of its nation, or it's going to submit to God. Or create some kind of false God, I suppose. And idolatry on a grand scale could it's a possibility too. But every nation has a God. And one of the things we need to do, no matter what happens on Tuesday... We're not going to know, by the way. Everybody knows this. I, I predict that um, we may not have final word on this until the end of the month. Uh, because it just, I, if worst comes to worst, there's going to be so many lawsuits flying around um, because the states are doing different things. I think one, I think it was it North Carolina or South Carolina has like 12 days. Uh, as long as they, they can continue accepting mail-in ballots as long as it is postmarked, like that can't be faked um, for 12 days. I don't know. I don't know that the whole thing is rife, rife for. Um, evil men to use it. But anyway, we're not going to know. But no matter what happens by the end of this month, let's put it that way, 
we have to be saying with clarity to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to the people that we meet, we have to be very plain that this nation is in grave danger because of idolatry. We're going to have to use words like repent, turning. We have to abandon the myth of neutrality. We, there is a, there's a meme, and no one's going to argue against the meme. because well, How could you argue against this? But it's, it, it's a meme that needs to become clear reality. And there are some forms of evangelical theology that fight this, because there, there are some forms of eschatology, honestly, I think, promote the idea of the mythology of neutrality, the myth of neutrality. But the meme is Christ or chaos. We need to be a clear voice to our society. You see that chaos coming your way? Here's your choices. You keep going toward chaos. And eventually what happens is the people rise up and they will support anyone who in any way will stop the chaos and give people enough food to survive. That normally means they lose everything in the process. Their houses, their cars, their businesses, their freedoms, their futures, everything. They become slaves to a totalitarian system. That's what chaos will bring. There's another way. It's a way our nation has known in the past. Never fully, but it's a way our nation has known in the past. Christ or chaos. A king whose word does not change. A message that does not change that speaks to men and women as men and women with transcendent value and hence a responsibility before God. It's a positive message. It's a positive message over against the the negative message of despair that is currently winning the day. Uh, We got a lot of work to do. Got a lot of work to do. And we cannot be ashamed of telling people it's Christ or chaos. Because Christ is our maker. So it's, e- it's either follow the manufacturer's instructions for how these things called humans work or reject it and bring about your own self-destruction. Because that's what the Great Reset, that's what the left is all about, is the destruction of humanity. Um, living life in a, in a small cell called your one-room apartment uh, with no future, with no opportunity to express yourself, with no experience of beauty, with no family. That's not living. That's not living. But that's what the Great Reset is going to say. You need to be satisfied with this. And we will keep you safe, and you can play online video games all day long if you want to. And like I said last week, the the thing that's scary to me is that many, not all, but many of those in China are saying, well, it's good enough. It's good enough. It's not good enough. And we need to pray that God, by his spirit, will convict people that that is not good enough. And we, need, we can't go that way. All right. I am not even going to pretend to try to get this done by the top of the hour. Sorry. but So last week... Um, that troublemaker, 
uh, woke TV preacher clips on Twitter. I don't know who it is, but just just so you know, um, posted started posting clips from the Just Gospel Conference. I I talked about this last week, 2019. Now, some of the people there: Christina Edmondson, Jamar Tisby, Jarvis Williams, J.D. Greer. Um, looked at the topics: racial reconciliation, primary topic. Racial justice. Um, then there was also some stuff on egalitarianism and complementarianism. So, one of the clips included J.D. Greer say, talking about racial justice and gender justice. Gender Justice. Now, you're at a conference with Jamar Tisby, Christina Edmondson, and you use the phraseology gender justice and saying that the church has been in a malaise, has been slow to do justice. Now, there is a meaning to the term gender justice. That is very new, very culturally oriented. It is um, not something that would be contained in the Baptist faith and message, any of the recent statements on gender and sexuality that one might have signed, etc., etc. Um and it would it would fit in the context of speakers such as those that were speaking at that conference. And so I asked a question. J.D. Greer is the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's had a whole extra year to be president longer than anyone else because they canceled the convention um, due to the panic. And so I actually asked about three times, and I was thinking about just like asking once a day. Well, he responded. I said, please, sir, what is gender justice? And so he said, okay, I'll play. 339 favorites of that. And then what he did is he did the um, image of a tech, image of text thing. So you can put a whole lot more into a tweet than 280 characters, which is how I responded, too, by the way. He said, I'm a little surprised by the question on two fronts. First, in multiple places, I have made clear that I embrace, without equivocation, the classic Reformed understandings of gender, marriage, and complementarianism. The SBC I lead is clear on those things as well in the Baptist faith and message. In addition, I stand behind the Danvers statement, and I sign the Nashville statement as sending to every word. In that message, it was clear my comments came within that theological framework. It was not intended to be a loaded comment or a Trojan horse of liberalism. My positions on these things are easy to find. If we are brothers in Christ, we owe better to each other. So, well, let me just read it all. I'll, I'll go back over. 
If our goal is to be divisive, that is not befitting the name of Christ. That so many people have ignored all of the above tells me that it is not a good faith discussion, and Scripture commands me to mark and avoid such people, which I will continue to do. Um, the second reason I am surprised is the bewilderment behind the question acts as if people could not possibly think of places in our society where women have been or are treated unfairly. We do not, of course, consider complementarianism or gender design in that category. On the contrary, encouraging women to flourish along the lines of God's design is the highest expression of justice. But have women not been treated unfairly in ways that have nothing to do with God's design? What are we to say to the years of denying women the right to vote, of restricting them from certain societal offices, or failing to consider them based on their qualifications? of keeping them from certain educational vocational opportunities, of our country's tolerance of China's prioritization of female abortions. In the church, our dismal record on dismissing or silencing female abuse victims to protect male leaders, or in the name of complementarianism, not being as devoted to raising up and celebrating the ministry of gifts of our daughters as they have their sons, a horrible twisting of complementarianism, and these are the ones off the top of my head. Surely we realize that in both our past and present, we have situations where women have been intentionally disadvantaged because of their gender in ways that go far beyond anything the Bible prescribes as the complementary distinction of roles in the family and body of Christ. And then he said, for example, this is something we should all be able to get behind. This was the U.S. joins 31 U.N. nations in pro-life, family, and women's health, something. Um, Some United Nations pro-life declaration. Okay, now, let me just go ahead and read my response, which, no, which interestingly enough, no one's responded to, including J.D. Greer. No one said a word about it. And in fact, only 21 people, 21, 19, and 20, so only 20 people have even hit the like thing in Twitter. So I'm not sure how many people have even seen this. Here's my response. Dr. Greer, thank you for your affirmations. In the context of just gospel, however, and the speakers, their affirmation of concepts of white supremacy as the idea that whites view themselves as little gods, a quote from C.E., that's Christina Edmondson, etc. Why would anyone assume that the context of your statement, coming as it did right after the highly charged phrase racial justice, again, in the context in which you were speaking, a great deal had already been said on that subject that is dependent upon critical race theory, would be the Baptist faith and message? I do not recall anything in any of the documents you affirm signing that refers to gender justice. It seems that you are defining this as proper treatment of women, then, following proper biblical guidelines that are based upon the propriety of the gender binary as God's created intention? Question mark. I would question a number of your examples and their current relevance, but that issue aside, would you admit that the use of the term seemed to carry a very different meaning in the context in which you were speaking and the audience to which you were speaking. Oops. To put it more directly, they aren't even in the right order. To put it more directly, would you affirm that true gender justice demands the full and complete acceptance of the God-created gender binary, the biblical distinction of male and female, the associated roles in the family, fatherhood, motherhood, which cannot be transferred or mutated, husband, wife, again, a gender, gender fixed, gender 
and that the current demand for gender justice in our nation, which is based upon the acceptance of homosexuality, same-sex marriage, transgenderism, and the concept of utter human autonomy, so as to be able to create any number of genders, is not only destructive to human flourishing, but is, in fact, a sinful rebellion against God's created order. And then I concluded with, finally, if you'd agree with these things, I simply have to ask, given the context in which you were speaking, why use a phrase that would carry one meaning for that audience and another in your own mind? Or was it just a confusing, obscure error of speech? Again, no responses from anybody to any of that reply. Now, I go back to the statements uh, and he says, I'm a little surprised by the question on two fronts. I'm not sure why you'd be a little surprised. I am not going to take the time to do this. There are people out there who might be interested in doing so. But I'm not going to do it. But have you used this phrase before? Because, because I'll, I'll be honest, I, this may be one of the first times I've heard it. Gender justice. Um, it, it's not part of Baptist faith. It's not part of the language we've, we've used for forever. And so, how can it be, uh, and, and again, people were questioning my, my Christian faith for asking this question. Ministers, Southern Baptist ministers, were literally questioning whether I'm a Christian. Because I went, what is gender justice? Now, look, if we had been talking about gender justice for the past 50 years, okay, I don't remember it. I don't remember it. Where, where, where has this been for all this time? Where, where is it in the Baptist faith and message? Where, where is it anywhere? The only use of gender justice that I know of has been recently in the profusion of genders that has taken place only in the past five, six years. Really since, since uh, 2015 with the Obergefell decision. So, Uh, first, in multiple places, I have made clear that I embrace autoquivocation, the classic reformed understandings of gender, marriage, and complementarianism. So had pretty much everybody at that conference up until a few years ago fit in at other reformed conferences. I, I spoke in Canada with the BDI Nawili. He wasn't talking about this back then. This was not on the agenda. So it's one thing to say, well, I you know, look at what I've done here, look at what I've done there. There's been a whole lot of changing going on. Whole lot of changing going on. Um, one, of your, one of your buddies, Beth Moore, wrote in a book that was sold all over the place, stuff about homosexuality, now that has been subtly excised from the text of the book. So it's one thing to sign statements, okay? Fine. But there are all sorts of people today, Dr. Greer, who sign the Baptist faith and message and claim to believe in inerrancy and teach in Southern Baptist seminaries that don't believe in inerrancy. They've redefined the words. They've changed the context in which those words are supposed to be interpreted and understood. You know that. I certainly know that. Anybody who's been in a seminary classroom knows that. 
The SBC I lead is clear on those things as well in the Baptist faith and message. In addition, I stand behind the Danvers statement and I sign the Nashville statement assenting to every word. Okay? In the context in which you were speaking, in the day in which you're speaking, you can't see how there are people who've likewise signed those statements who are now moving with this social progression? That's not a possibility? Hmm. In that message, it was clear my comments came within that theological framework. Well, uh, it, was, it was really clear in light of uh, one of the other speakers talking about white supremacy as whites believe in their little gods that can rule over things. And, and what, what, what about that context at a conference put on by Thabiti Anyabwili? would say, oh, the context is the Danvers Statement and the Nashville Statement and the Baptist Faith and Message. Where is the Baptist Faith and Message talk about gender justice again? I don't remember that language. Maybe it's there. Maybe I just missed it. Maybe I'm, I'm just, maybe I'm just going to have to come back on and go, yeah, I'm just really dumb. Because, yeah, there's been all sorts of... But it sounded like it was saying something else. Um... It was not intended to be a loaded comment or a Trojan horse of liberalism. My position on these thing, positions on these things are easy to find. Well, if I read Thabiti's book from just a few years ago, Thabiti isn't there anymore. There's, there's, there's been a big shift, sir. But, but a massive shift. And that's why... The question was a valid question. If we are brothers of Christ, we owe better to each other. Um, so, you've told other people that it was an unintentional statement anyways. That, that it wasn't, like, purposeful. So, questioning an unintentional statement... Um, that is confusing in the context of which that somehow reflects on me? Your followers certainly seem to... Wow. I mean, Southern Baptist pastors willing to kick me right out of the kingdom for even daring to go, what does this mean? Because I'm concerned about the direction the SBC has taken, and I'm concerned because we may... We are seeing things being taught in the SBC now that 15 years ago would have said, no, 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 it's a, no, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. And so, is it possible that five years from now, gender justice in the social understanding of that will be being taught in the SBC as well? Is it possible it's being taught in SBC churches right now? You say, no, the Baptist faith message doesn't allow that. That has to be interpreted by somebody, doesn't it? That has to be interpreted by somebody. I, I thought that our Reformed confessions would be enough to keep all this woke theology out of Reformed churches. I was wrong. I was in error. If our goal is to be divisive, that is not befitting the name of Christ. Well, that's, that's an easy thing to say. I will just simply stand back and say, all right, Let's look at the Southern Baptist Convention in 2000. You tell me who's still standing where they were standing back then. Who has divided? 
who has been divisive. Now, the other side will say, but we need to go with the culture. It depends on whether the culture is jumping off of a cliff. Uh, that so many people have ignored all of the above tells me that this is not a good faith discussion. And scripture commands me to mark and avoid such people, which I will continue to do. I guess that's aimed at me. I don't know. So if you dare ask Dr. J.D. Greer about using a loaded phrase in a context that would give a particular interpretation, and he just goes, oh, but I signed these, you're to be marked and avoided. Which, by the way, is biblical language for that person is not a believer. Who knew? That sounds divisive to me. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. There, there's, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. Then, then you talk, then you basically say uh, that this was all about women. Now, again, like I said, I, I, I disagree with some of the examples that were given. Um, but the, the point, if you want to get into your soft complementarianism, which is, which will in five years be full-on egalitarianism, let's just be honest, it's, that's, that's the direction it's going. We've, it's happened in every other denomination. It's, there's nothing new here. Um, that is a unique definition to gender justice. Why not just say biblical view of women? Because you used it in the same sentence with racial justice. And we know, we know how wide an expanse that now points us to in the current cultural discussion, including at a conference such as Just Gospel. So, uh, anyway, uh, there you go. Like I said, my response is utterly ignored. Maybe not even read. Maybe not even seen. I don't know. I may go ahead and, and grab them and, uh, while they're still out there and repost them someplace else so people can see. But the, the responses, oh my goodness, the, the people that were uh, coming after me. And um, there's a guy named Timothy Taylor. <clears throat> um, he says, I used to admire you, but it seems you keep growing more and more entrenched in some sort of self-righteous bitterness towards everyone who doesn't agree with you. <laughs> uh, and then another, another pastor that I specifically wrote to, um, I, let me see if I can find this, because I, what had happened was um, Danny Aiken, the president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, um, patted J.D. on the back. Way to go, JD. Good job, you know. And people were posting those ones. Are, oh, what a burn! Oh, you know, you know. And and don't even read the responses. It it was sad. It was really sort of embarrassing. Really was uh, not for me, but for the people that were responding that way. Um, but uh, then, right. Wait a minute. How was that sent to me? Uh, right at the same section. Um, who sent that to me? Was that by... It's not the problem anymore with having um, so many boxes on your screen. I'm sitting there going, was that the... T 
top of the left hand screen or was it at the bottom because I got different things that go there uh, and and things like that. Uh, let me ah here it is here it is I found it. Yeah, so Dan- Danny Aiken, thank you, my friend, for your response. I appreciate you so very much. That is so Southern Baptist. It is just, it's circle the wagons. We won't, you know, we'll, we'll provide cover for everybody. It was, it was terrible. Um, but then Jeremy Smith, uh, at Pastor J216. Jeremy Smith, White's divisiveness makes me question his integrity, his faith, and his character. He is someone I formally look to. So there you go. Uh, there's the Southern Baptist. Yeah, that, that's the Southern Baptist mindset. Is um, Makes me question his integrity. 30 plus years. Of, oh, you, you asked J.D. Greer what gender justice meant. You. His faith. He's not even a Christian. His character. Oh, he's just. Oh. I'm just like. Okay. Uh, you guys have got a real problem if you are cannot allow even that level of reflection upon what's being said. You're, you're going to wake up 10 years from now, and you're going to look at the convention and go, what happened? And the rest of us will be going, well, we tried to tell you, and you weren't listening. You not only did not want to listen, but decided to use flamethrowers on anyone who would go, hey, you know, in that context, that could be understood this way. That could be understood as, as, as a wink and a nod towards something that is absolute satanic. <laughs> okay? Um, so how about instead of, well, everybody should have known what I was saying, how about come on and say, man, I was not clear there at all, and I want to sure, make sure everyone understands. There are only two genders, and we are not going to collapse on this at all. And for the sake of those young girls and for the sake of what Scripture teaches, we are going to stand firm against this. And gender, I was only talking about treating women properly, but you know what? And then we can get into all the egalitarianism stuff from there. But um, there you go. I, Like I said, it was, uh, it was educational. What? There was a little bit of that there. There was a little bit of that there. Yeah, there's no, no, no toys about it. But just, just, do you think, see, I'm not a Southern Baptist. I got, they, they can't hurt me. Um, that, 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 uh, they, they already fired me from teaching at Golden Gate. They don't, they don't want, yeah, yeah fine. Um, so I'm not a Southern Baptist. But can you imagine if you are a Southern Baptist? Let's say you let's say you poor soul work for one of the entities of the Southern Baptist Convention. Do you think having watched this that you let's say you listened to that and went what's gender justice? What what why is why is Dr. Greer speaking at a conference where people are talking about white privilege and white supremacy and I mean, it just sounds like I'm listening to CNN um, with a religious bent to it. But I've got a real problem. Man, I better not say a word because I will, I will be out the door so fast. And man, it, it, we're barely making it as it is. Do you think that might work? You think the 11th commandment really does exist in the Southern Baptist Convention? Oh, baby, it does. 
Yeah, it does. Sadly, it does. So there you go. There you go. What a day we live in. So we are intending to come back tomorrow. I don't know if I'll... I, don't, I, I want to continue in Colossians and Ephesians. That's awfully cool stuff to be doing. Just love walking through those things. I'm not sure tomorrow is the best day to be doing that. <laughs> yeah. You got a conflict? There are all these people out there. Oh, folks, I, I, in fact, I'm just going to want Hey, Rich, why don't, why don't you go ahead and fire up the uh, Rich cam there and you tell everybody. Okay, I'll tell everybody. My wife is having a birthday tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought we moved tomorrow to Monday. But you know what would be really interesting? No. Is doing a Wednesday dividing line. Can you imagine what Wednesday is going to look like? I'm not sure that the electrical grid is going to be functioning on Wednesday. <laughs> that that and I'm not. Uh, see, when you're driving a car down the road, if you have to hang your AR out the window, <laughs> then it ejects the shells into the vehicle. Okay, and that. Have you, have you have you tried that? I've never really tried that. Be, be, you know, I do have a, a, a sunroof, so I could just just yeah, then it would then yeah. It, yeah yes yeah. Well, we'll look at Wednesday, and let's, like I said, if, if I'm sure that folks are going to understand. Plus, they're all going to be standing out in line anyway, right? You know, but they wanted. I'm sure they wanted you know some want us to be with them, but okay, that's fine. <laughs> No, all right. Now people see what I have to put up with. <laughs> you know, just, I, I hope I hope you've gotten uh, your wife uh, something really nice for her birthday because there's going to be so many lonely, sad people uh, out there that we're hoping for. All those poor lonely people. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, uh, that's what I was trying to do. Yeah, not the poor lonely people. Anyway. So we won't be here tomorrow. Okay, fine. We'll we'll try try for Wednesday if there's still a world left in uh, on Wednesday, and we'll we'll go from there. All right. Thanks for watching the program today. Um, if you're voting tomorrow, um, good luck with that. <laughs> we'll see you later. God bless.